West Side Story, with lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, music by Leonard Bernstein, and a book by Arthur Lawrence inspired by William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, opened September 26, 1957 at the Winter Garden Theater. Originally presented contemporarily in the era of the 1950s, set in New York's multiracial blue-collar Upper West Side, the rivalry between two street gangs, the Jets, who are white, and the Sharks from Puerto Rico, lay the backdrop as Tony, a former member of the Jets, falls in love with Maria, the sister of the leader of the Sharks, in this work that marked a turning point in the American musical theater. With us today is Diana Martinez, director of the McKinnish Arts Center at the College of DuPage, whose past leadership positions at Pheasant Rum Theater, the Paramount Theater, and the Second City are in addition to her being an accomplished director of many musicals, including West Side Story. Mark Hobie, producing artistic director at the Paper Mill Playhouse, whose prolific association with West Side Story includes numerous occasions performing in, directing, and or choreographing it, and having been in the cast of Jerome Robbins' Broadway, was taught the original choreography by the man himself. And Gary Griffin, one of today's most celebrated directors and interpreters of the works of Stephen Sondheim, having directed in Chicago on Broadway and at the Stratford Festival, and whose 2003 London production of Sondheim's Pacific Overtures received the Olivier Award for Outstanding Musical Production. Welcome everyone to the round table. Hi. Hi. So I remember my very first exposure to this show uh, was a high school production at a Catholic girls' school. I was in high school, and I think I was very fortunate enough to discover and be introduced and exposed to West Side Story at a moment and being the right age. And, Looking back now, it was probably awful, but to then, it, to me, it was magic. And it reminds me that even in a production at Mother Guerin's Catholic Girls School, it, it had the power to just speak to everyone. And it seemed so personal to me. What was your first exposure to West Side Story, Mark? Um, my first exposure was the cast album that I played on my parents' stereo in their living room. And then I auditioned for a community theater production that was at the Petty School in Heightstown, New Jersey. I wasn't even interested in performing then um, and got cast in the role of Baby John. And that was the first show I was ever in. So Westside was really my first performing experience ever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I did, like you said, I did it many times and have lived with this show uh, a lot. But I think you're right. I think that it, it is a very powerful piece. Uh, the music, the combination of the dance, the lyrics, the music, it all, the synergy of how it beautifully fits together. And the message goes, as you said, back to Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It, 
is unfortunately a, um, a story that never goes out of time. It, it continually lives. Did you continue to play Baby John in these other <laughs> productions? I can still play it now, no. I played Baby <laughs> John, I played Action, I played Arab. Um, my, the very first show I did at Northwestern University, my first month there, was I got cast as Action in West Side Story and Michael Greif was Baby John. Greg Edelman was Tony and Anita, it never happened now, Anita was played by Megan Mullally. Wow. <laughs> I pay tickets to see that today. Me too. <laughs> Diana, how about you? You know, it was the first show I ever saw, a professional show I ever saw. I was like in third grade, and it was at the McCormick place, of all places, and my mom took me um, to see it. And Leslie Uggam starred in it. And the usher realized how much I loved it and said, would you like to go backstage? Now, how she had that pull, I don't know. And... Um, and I was way more intrigued with Tony, who was a no-name, but I loved him <laughs> and uh, loved the show ever since I directed the show. I just, I mean, for me, the, the, the racial tension um, is such a timeless story that is so relevant. I just saw it at the Lyric recently and, and it hit me again, especially right now in this political environment, um, the tension, you know, the racial divide between Hispanics is, is stronger than ever, I think. And, and it, was, it was very powerful to see it there at the Lyric and the music was incredible. Um, and I, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like pizza. It's even when it's bad, it's good. It's, to me, it's one of those shows that's always good. Mm -hmm. Gary? Um, yeah, it was like my gateway drug of theater. Um, I, was, uh, I actually saw it, as a, I saw the movie first because in, when I was in junior high, we watched actually Romeo and Juliet and uh, West Side Story and, and talked about them in, in conversation with each other. But actually it was the only show I performed in in high school. My senior year, we, we did it. And I was, I was pretty knocked out by it. Um, and then I actually, in my sophomore year of college, uh, performed it. And I think that experience was the way that I started to really find myself wandering more and more back into the theater. And it's been a show that has come up often in my life, and it's, I, I just remain in awe of the ambition and the brilliance of the artists that when what they were attempting and what I never feel like I fully grasp all of it. Um, and I don't know if they did. I think they were working in such an amazing way that um, it's awesome to, um, to learn. I've learned more about the show, uh, through, and I'm still a student of it. What, what roles did you play when you appeared in it? I played Snowboy in action. <laughs> it, you know, it, it strikes me as for a show from the 1950s, it's constantly done. Has it ever, you know, not been one of the most popular shows that people keep going back to over and over throughout just the changes through the 60s, through the 70s, and, and continues as Diana, I think, you know, what you're, you're saying is that it, the, the meaning is unfortunately evergreen. I, I think that's true. And, I, you know, there's the revival. It's currently happening on Broadway. I don't know if any of you have seen it, which is a completely different take on the piece, taking it out of, out of the period and exploring uh, a cast where the racial divide is not so visibly evident and then using a whole bunch of technology um, which is successful and, in my opinion, unsuccessful in many ways. But um, 
I, I think at, at its core, it is, a it is a love story, and it is a story about us versus them. And those two parts are so ingrained in human nature, right? We want to be loved, we need to be loved, we need to love, and we need to have a family, and we fear the other. And um, I, I don't think that will ever change. And it's told so beautifully. Um, there are a couple of musicals that we all talk about that seem to be you know, perfect musicals. Gypsy is one, and I would contend that um, West Side is another because it brings together all the elements all the great elements of musical theater, you know, music, dance, lyrics, uh, a great book, a storyline, um, and a world that is created in those two and a half hours that you uh, get lost in. You know, we all know what's gonna happen at the end of West Side Story, right? We all know. Um, and yet every time you watch it, I am moved by, by the performance, by the music, by, um, the discovery um, by the, the, the break of innocence, which I really think is key to the show is, uh, you know, that, that shattering of, of innocence. Um, and I think those, those things will never change. So I think it will, I think, and hope it will always be a relevant piece. I think too, Michael, you know, the, because it, I think it's accessible for students of, of, of theater to be able to um, grasp and understand these characters. And although the music's really difficult when it's done well and when it's done right, and though it's, it's not an easy, it's not easy to sing all the time um, and, and to play, the characters are accessible. And I think that as an education piece, it's, it's a phenomenal piece because they're great characters to develop that students can really relate to and have a sense of passion. And I think that's helped it to stay evergreen. Mm -hmm. Great. And I think it's also probably one of the greatest scores of American musical theater, right? So how it, it, it's a great piece to study, you know, in, in terms of the music. Right. Yeah. What is, it, what is it about the music? You know, I, I, when I talk with people who are not music theater necessarily oriented, you know, guys are, yeah, I don't, you know, really, I don't like musicals. Everybody likes West Side. Everybody's dad likes West Side Story. What is it about that, that element of it that just sort of draws everybody in that makes it? a bad boy, right? That's why they love guys and dolls too. They all, you know, guys love to be the bad boy. That, I think there's that, um, that, that fun, but they're fun, they're lovable bad boys. But the music is, is pretty amazing and how they're able to take a ballet and turn it into a fight and, and the way the music is structured um, with the dissonance. You know, how do you make a, a ballet for, for a gang? And they did it through the music, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that they were geniuses all in that room working at the top of their craft. And I, I can't remember if it was Gary who said it. I, I don't think they knew really what they were doing at the time. Um, they were just passionate and uh, wanted to tell a story, wanted to take this Romeo and Juliet and in the 50s, make it contemporary, right? It was a contemporary piece at that time. Um, and because I think it's, it's uh, 
so well crafted it's it, it it has lasted all through time and even this new new version this uh new take on it so much of what's what's at the base of it i think at the base of any musical starts with the score right uh, i don't know anybody who says oh that's a great musical but the score is okay um, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, it's this letter Bernstein music that's just um, incredible and complicated and, um, and beautiful. I mean, when you think about Tonight, one of the most beautiful love songs ever, right? And I, one of the lyrics that strikes me so much, and I didn't even understand it when I was a kid. I would watch them sing it, and uh, Tony and Maria are on the balcony singing suns and moons all over the place, right? And uh, today the world was just an address, right? Those, those thoughts are profound and yet personal and simple at the same time. Um, and now that's like my favorite song to, to watch people interpret and act and sing because it's a love song about how this tiny little moment between two people who have just met has changed their entire view of the world and of life and opened their minds. Um, and it's, you know, certainly it starts with the music, but it's sometimes lyrics as well that deliver, paint those pictures for us. And it's a difficult thing to do to um, have so many different points of view uh, lyrically and musically, right? The Jets, the Sharks, um, uh, you know, the Lovers, the, the, the Gangs, you know, the Jets song, right? The America, which is another brilliant piece of music and lyric. It's funny, it's, it's cutting, it's, uh, you know, um, joyous. Um, you know, th those are brilliant, brilliant pieces of music. Yeah, they're rich and like, like I, I agree with you about America. I mean, that song is um, it, well, it, it is. Who does not love the dance sections of that song? I mean, when they take <laughs> off, it's just it's you know I don't care who you are, you're you're dead if there, you know there's something wrong with you if you're not, you know your your heart rate doesn't go up during those songs during those moments. I but also that how you know the the what the characters. Uh, uh, explore and uh, one of the things that um, I when you know we think about we're talking in terms of Sondheim I think one of the things he brought was youth to the collaborative team he was the youngest member he's very young 27 right I think when or when they opened um, and he um, it was originally supposed to be Common and Green which I think would have been a very different show um, it would have effectively been the third of a trilogy of shows about New York for them and they couldn't do it so um, that's when they started to explore another lyricist and came up with Sondheim. But as much as he's often, you know, been critical, highly critical of his work on it, I think he's, I think it's quite brilliant work. And I think he also, I think his voice in the collaboration is really important. I think what Gary brings up is such an interesting point because being 25, 27, when you're writing a musical, he brought the real honest voice of those characters that made them real. It wasn't a 50 year old person writing the voice of a 17 year old person or a 20 year old person. And I think it made it more authentic and more, more real and I don't know, and accessible. I think you're right. I think that youthful point of view and um, his, uh, for lack of a better way, greenness in the industry, it was very honest and truthful. And I know, yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there that he says he was overreaching, especially on I Feel Pretty and some of those lyrics 
saying that you know this woman whose English was her second language would never know these rhyme schemes and internal rhymes and all of that. But um, what I always think about that number is it's about joy. It's about her unbridled um, expression of uh, just coming into womanhood. Um, but you're right, writing for young people uh, is tough. I think certainly if you are a person with some years, I like, or some experience, like myself, um, you know, you think you remember what it was like to be young, you have a vision and a memory of that, but it's different to actually be young and to be contributing that. So I think to Gary's point, that is a really important part of what made the show so great. And I'm sure I wasn't in the room, but there must have been challenges between Sondheim and Robbins and Arthur Lawrence and Bernstein. You know, he must have been um, at sometimes a, a, a you know thorn in their side a little bit, but um, I think it's, it really has added to the colors and the levels of the piece. You know, yeah. when you think of Maria, it's a very simple lyric. It's not real complicated. But if you think about when you were young and you first fall in love, you are enamored with that person's name. It's true. You're infatuated with it. And you just think about that name and that person. And I think, I, I think about the lyrics of that. And when he criticizes it, I'm like, how can... But it's real, and and I think he played the emotion more than the actual words and the wittiness. And but um, it it really transcends to every generation. Everybody gets it. You know, we all understand it. And it's interesting because originally the echoes were done by other members of the of the company. You know, at the beginning, he sang Maria, and then the Maria, Maria, Maria were offstage voices. That was originally the way it was performed. Um, and now the way we all do it. It's Tony who sings all of them. And I, but I do think that underscores your point, Diana, which is you know, exploring the idea of living with this person that the most you really know about them is one word, which is their name. So he's written a whole song, a love song, about one word that's pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah you're, you know, and he, he, I think the hyperbole is, is apt. I mean, it's, it's so cool that he almost, he makes her holy. It becomes this act of, he's talking about something, he's a Catholic, I'm assuming, anyway, in the way the writing is works. So that there's Irish. a, yeah, yeah, that uh, he, well, Polish, right? His mother's Polish. Polish. Oh, he was Polish, right. Yes, you're right. His mother's Polish. Polish. Yeah. They had one time, that was the original idea, was to do an Irish, uh, Jewish yeah. story. Right, that's and then, what I Yeah, that was the original. Five, the original so. idea was that. And then they they had A.B.'s Irish Rose, and I think they were afraid that was kind of dated. And it they, was and East, then they, and it was yeah, East, East Side, side Story. Yeah. But they came story. back to the idea again. Now this was the, this was a conflict that they could, they could, you know, they could, um, that could bear on, on their, on their idea. Um, but I can't, I mean, I think about Jerome Robbins wanting to do a, a, a an adaptation for the stage of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, that's pretty, uh, right there. I mean, he and Bernstein were artists. Uh, Bernstein was a huge celebrity beyond his writing for the theater. And that they were, the, these kind of titans were coming together to create this. And then, you know, the under, unsung, but I think brilliant book writing of Arthur Lawrence. Um, I don't think gets nearly enough credit for how the economy and the, the craft of the book of this show. Um, 
and the 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 way he handled the the vocal jazz slang, and he found a way for it to talk that would that would hopefully keep it timeless. So I, I think that that um, just that whole the idea of of the of the collaborative team, and this is I think the show that Robbins fully, as far as the musicals, got to flex his skills because everything after this, he was Gypsy and Fiddler were in his own words very limiting. He, he, he did what the show wanted. He didn't make it about him. He actually, you know, got rid of ballets and ideas he had. But this show was, this is full out Robbins, I think. And why I think it's an interesting thing, I believe, and I'd love to hear that, where you can really vary the choreography. I have strong opinions about how, um, how, how successful anyone is at, at working outside of the Rob, because to me it's text. It's it's um, what he created is so much is is those those dances have text to them and you know it's hard to I think in many cases um, go far from that original blueprint without a really you know strong idea. I agree. I think that I know we're talking about Sondheim and I do want to circle back to that in a second. But having worked with Jerome and having done the show both with his choreography and without, and if all cards on the table, I've actually choreographed it badly um, and not really understanding until working with him the purpose of the ballet, the, what that choreography means, what those moments are and how they inform the rest of the story. It was so pivotal. And even when you talk about the, um, the prologue, you know, the, the entire pre-story is danced. The whole history of the gangs is told in whatever it is, eight, 13 minutes, of dance, so that was a key element as well. Um, and I think, and a lot of the music was scored to the dance. They were created together, right? Bernstein didn't write those 12, eight bars and the ones you can't even count and say, here, choreograph something to this. You know, he was in the room watching Jerome work with dancers and said, oh, that needs to be a 13 count. That needs to be a this because of whatever, the energy, the meaning, the the, you know, the, the story behind it. Um, but yeah, to me, it's integral. And that is one of the missteps, I think, in the revival is I don't think um, this, you're missing a major part of the show by cutting out the ballet. But back to the lyric, I think about how um, in, if you think about a boy like that and I have a love, and that whole scene, the, the story, uh, the, 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 the scene of the two of them in the bedroom that leads into a boy like that, that leads into I have a love and then the, 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 the how they come together. You know, for us in a contemporary sense, that's a normal thing now. People write recitatif and they, they musicalize scenes. But back then that was pretty radical. Um, and it's so successful in delivering the fire and and the the mistrust that Anita feels and the 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 beautiful um, sort of simple healing love that Maria feels and how the two of them come together and um, get on the same page are aligned through the musical scene and the lyric. Just that alone is. Uh, worth you know a week's worth of study with actresses in a, in a room, um, and when it's delivered on stage, uh, well, it's so powerful to see how how those lyrics, um, how Maria describes "I have a love" and how it completely changes Anita from walking in learning the, the, about the death of her you know lover 
and, and makes her say, yes, I will put my life on the line. I will go for you. And, you know, hopefully you will find happiness or whatever, whatever it's going to be. But, you know, that's, I think, brilliant, brilliant writing from all, all parts of the team. Right. Because there, there's, no, there's no more eloquent expression, I think, of love over hate than that sequence. Oh. No more. No more. And I can't think of a moment in any musical where that is more eloquently stated. Is that, you know, that, that how, how impossible to come in, your lover's been killed by your lover, and, yeah. you, and by the end of this, I'm going to help you. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. There's a bond. I think the women in the show are fascinating anyway, and I think that there's a, there is a, an understanding, a bond that those characters have. I always think it's so funny that Bernardo, you know, he brings his sister there hoping to, um, you know, uh, keep her protected until she can marry Chino, but he puts her in a bridal shop where she's seeing young American women all day, and she's <laughs> seeing their dreams and they're choosing their husbands. It wasn't the best idea. <laughs> so I think a lot of what her sophistication, whether it was whatever it is, came from watching these young women and, in New York and seeing what, who she wanted to be. And certainly that's affected Anita. You know. Yeah, and Anita too, you know, one of my favorite lines, and I, I literally was on a text chat um, the other day, and they said, uh, she said, hold on, I'll, 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 she was sending me a video, I'll, I'll get that to you in a minute, and I wrote, I'm an American girl, I don't wait. You know, um, the idea that they, these are young women who come to America and their eyes are opened and their hearts are opened, and, you know, Anita talks about in that scene in Song America about how much she is in love with the freedoms that she is experiencing here in New York amidst all of the racial problems and the hate. You know, about too, though, the show, how it, it does that to us in different ways, because we fall in love with the guys in Officer Krupke. We laugh, we find them funny, we find them charming, and then we go into the drugstore scene and we're horrified about what happens with Anita. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that that's what the, all of these creators did so brilliantly is, is you, they, kind of like what Gary said, you know, you're, you're, Anita's so angry when she comes in. You know, she's just lost her, her boyfriend. But yet she turns. And we turn as an audience, I think. We turn from watching that Krupke scene to then seeing the rape scene. And you're like, how is this happening? And, and I think that's what's amazing about the show is these highs and lows are, are pretty prolific in a very short time. And we feel this strong connection. And then we see, like you're t you're saying, you know, with the two women in the bedroom, that scene is just heartbreaking. And then the last scene is heartbreaking, right? right? And again, that ending, the ending of the show, which is the procession, right, where they they carry Tony's body off, and they finally realize, you know, oh my gosh, this was a terrible thing that happened to all of us, and they recreate the procession. That it's a beautiful moment from the Robin staging where they're picking up Tony's body and his arm falls and one of the sharks rushes in and they, there's that tension between them and then that goes away and they, they carry the body off. And then the procession where uh, the two different communities come together and that that is earlier echoed and foreshadowed in the ballet, that's important storytelling. Right, that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a a, a, a coincidence. Um, each each element of the story is so beautifully woven together, and I think well thought through. You know, like like Gary said, I do think that that Arthur Lawrence's book is is um, not given the due 
it, it needs. The economy, the, the book itself is not that thick, right? If you just took out the dialogue, right? Not that much because Robbins was brilliant in, in telling through dance and Sondheim was brilliant in forwarding the storyline through the lyric. Um, but, and the language that, that um, Arthur created, that frabba-jabba, that yeah. made-up talk, right? Which people, I used to poo-poo when I was young. I was like, what is this, right? But the fact that, I think it's important. It's how they communicated. They right. created their own language. They created their own culture. This is how we talk to each other, you know? It makes them a whole community. And for me, I think the key to the show, um, uh, from whatever anybody else thinks about it and from what I learned from Jerome is, I think that um, a major part, uh, point of the show is it is that moment in time where you cross through the portal of being a kid to being an adult and something happens in your life that changes you. It could be something brilliant and beautiful. You fall in love, right? And all of a sudden you're growing up. It could be you know, learning that the Easter Bunny and the Santa Claus aren't real and that your parents have been lying to you. But for these kids who think they're so tough, and I think it's important that they are kids, it is the end of the act when nobody expected it to happen and there is death. And it is, it changes them. And all of a sudden, and Tony even says it, you know, to anybody at the end, we're not playing anymore. You know, you're a girl, be a girl. And I know that's, it's not PC to talk about that now, but what he's saying is, you know, we, we unfortunately, we have to grow up. Um, and there's a brilliant sophistication in the music and in the, the storyline and, you know, that, that the rape scene, and it's, it's called that, um, you know, because they defile Anita, you know, these are, are kids who are out of control and they are on that precipice of, you know, Having not having a care in the world, and all of a sudden the responsibility of your actions and your words, and and how that changes you, and now they will never be the same. And when they leave that playground together, carrying Tony's body off, they all own a piece of what has happened. And that's why I always think it's important that the kids leave and the adults are left. You know, it's it is the new world. It is. They need to figure it out and move forward. Um, I think one of the things that is is tricky, and I know a lot of productions have worked, and it sounds like I haven't seen the revival yet, so I've heard some about it, but it seems like one of the, the wishes is to is to update the show, which I think is really hard because um, one thing, these are not gangs like our the gangs we know now. Right. This is this is a gang world that is uh, it, it's just beginning. We see the introduction of the switchblade. They don't normally ramble with switchblades. This the, the introduction of a gun. It's going to get to the and I always think action is the character of maybe because I played it. I was, I was like he's the character that's, that's signaling the future. That is like this is the guy we got to worry about because he doesn't care about gracious living doesn't care about the, 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 the protocol, he just cares about, about the, 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 the result. And that's the dangerous part of it. And Riff is, I love the, I think in both cases, what I find fascinating about the show, and what I think the show has to say about conflict of any kind is that both sides are falling apart. The, the Jets are falling apart. Tony's left and action's challenging Riff 
and they're they need they need at something this this bumble is is, a, is also an act of to bring unity same thing happening in the sharks the men and women are not agreeing they're having they're having these these debates uh there's a there's a, there is a need to have an act that brings you together and that's what happens and sadly is that war, war. They, it does it with countries all the time that's the thing. War, that's, as horrible as that is unifies a country yeah, you want to bring a group of people together, you know, get a war. And uh, that's what that's what occurs. I find that so incredibly powerful. And also the whole matter of Riff as somebody. Riff is that guy to me who um, was had only thought of life up to maybe the high school. He has no future thought. He's right. living with Tony. He's homeless, basically. And he's he was cool when you were younger, but now Tony's done with him. You know, they're still, he cares about him. But Tony's about working for this, Dot for this man who he really admires. This guy, this immigrant who came there and made something of himself. That's Tony's hero now, and so he's he is he's he's um, and and Riff is in trouble because you know he's he's lost his his support there. And Riff is I think he's like music. You know, music is going to change. And Riff is still a jazz guy from the fifties. And this is now and this and the thing is. What's going to be influencing? What's going to make rock and roll? It's going to be Latin and African American music that's going to form the the roots of that sound. And here you've got Riff, who is, you know, he's 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 dying away. You know, his his view. I think that sort of what what. And I think in the similar way, you see Bernardo's attitudes toward women and the world are not are not progressive with somebody who's going to survive in America. And so I think both of those characters I find quite tragic in ways that. Um, they, I don't, I don't, their riff is brilliant at, he's, he's charismatic. That's why I love cool so much. Cause you take someone who can take all that mess of a gang and get them focused. That number is pretty brilliant. Stay loose, boy. Buzzy, easy, dust. Turn off the juice, boy. knocks me out but but he doesn't have that there's there's no um he doesn't have a future you see that all the time with young people in, in especially in 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 cultures that are not going to take care of you and um boy it's um and the whole yeah. you know i just think a whole sort of brotherly love story between tony and riff which is i care about you i'm going to go to this for you i don't want to go to that dance <laughs> I have nothing there, but for you, I'll do this. But that's it, you know. That's yeah. a great, there's a great love in that, I believe. The thing about West Side, uh, to me, is it is important to understand the time period. And it wasn't until I learned Jerome Robbins' Broadway and all the choreography that I even understood the knife fight, right? What's the knife fight? What is it? What is it, right? And even when you talk about the choreography, and it's all these quick flicks of the hand, flick, flick, flick. A knife fight in the 50s between gangs wasn't to the death. It wasn't until somebody was killed. It was until you drew, a blo drew blood. So if I flick you and cut your wrist and you're bleeding, it's over, I won. You know, that's the end of the, yeah. the knife fight. It just gets out of control. Um, so 
there is something I think I'm just saying, I think it's the time period's important in understanding how the show is created and why it's so successful. And, you know, whether you want to re-choreograph it or something like that, I think that's fine. But to try and reinterpret what, what these creators were doing at that time, um, I think, is where you get into dangerous territory. Yeah, I think... It, it's it's about the literalness too that that happens that starts to happen when you do that when you start to be now you you have to get very literal about it and I think um, one of the things I found so incredible and this only a few years ago when I did a thing about Bernstein's lyrics had to do with how much the lyrics are about space and rocket men and this was a time and like Sputnik happened like two weeks after this show open and they everybody's obsession with space and what's possible in space was on these kids mind you hear it um throughout well a lot of what's there actually were lyrics to a thing called well, it was sort of a prologue that had lyrics at one point and it's that whole piece and it's actually in um sondheim's lyric book but it's full of rocket space uh out, outer space imagery and so i think it's a real cool like into their how are they um their heroes and how they're imagining life, you know, baby John's reading about Superman, you know, and, and these, these ways these kids are trying to cope with how, what, what a hopeless world. There's a, there's a, a, a great book um, about gangs in New York post-war, which is a little more violent than what the story is. One of the things they talked about is very few people leave a gang Gangs are usually you end up killed or you end up in drugs or jail or, you know, gangs are very rarely, you very rarely end up getting out. And that's, I think, a very tragic, you know, what, that's why Tony's story, I think, is there somebody just about, he's just about made it. And uh, he's, he, he in, in all in an act of love, everything he does is, um, he falls in love with this girl, I believe, because he looks and goes, you're like me. You're in this room, and you you don't. You're completely not part of your team either. And my gosh, if we got together, our love could change all of this. And I think they they sense that very early on. And I always wonder if if Maria wonders if she might have a kid out of all of this, which fuels I think some of what she could be imagining in I Have a Love because that's what he goes to Doc and says we're going to have kids, and I think that's what they believe that they want to say yes to the universe by wanting to have children, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing that, you know, often that scene that is so hard because you're at the end and all the tensions ratchet up. There's so much beautiful stuff in that last scene with Doc, you know, that, um, it, 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 and he has to, his, all what he, what he cared about was, was, is all in there. And then it gets destroyed, of course, by a, a lie, you know. Yeah. And to think this was, Sondheim's first show. I know. You know? <laughs> this was his first endeavor. And what a gift in a different way that he made it with these collaborators. And it, it strikes me as we talk within this series, which is focusing on Sondheim, but it is clear within the musicals that he collaborated musically that he doesn't dominate. He doesn't dominate in Gypsy. He doesn't dominate in Do I Hear a Waltz. He shares, he was very capable of sharing and not dominating. And these shows, and especially West Side Story, have particular colors that 
um, are there because of Bernstein and because of Richard Rogers and because uh, it, within his other collaborators, I think, which are, which are so interesting uh, with, with, with his early shows in this sense. It was so, very hard, apparently, if you read, believe what you read, for him to accept this assignment. He did not want to write lyrics. And he, he was, you know, um, I don't know that we know this as much today, but he was very well known before he wrote this. Saturday Night had had a lot of backers auditions and uh, people were talking about his work and the expectation for what he was eventually going to write, write was huge. And I, if we, Sheldon Harnick said he heard Sondheim play Saturday Night and he walked out thinking he should quit. He'll never be that good. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, so he said, he said, I thought I should quit. I'll never be that good. And uh, so there was, a, there was an anticipation for him. And he, he apparently, you know, there, there's so much interesting stuff I've, to read about he and Bernstein because Bernstein, while being a brilliant creator, also used a lot of trunk material and it apparently drove Sondheim nuts. You know, he'd pull a song from Candide or something, you know, I Have a Love, I think, was originally a melody from Candide. And um, I think America, somewhere- in America was pulled from something else too. Yeah. Well, that's, and yes, and he, well, Bernstein had written, a, and actually Sondheim caught him in the story because he, he, he'd written a, an, another piece like five years prior that, yeah, he had, and then he said, oh, I found America melody. Well, he found it from the, his, his trunk. But it was a good trunk, you know? That's it was a good trunk. trunk. So uh, let's maybe to, to wrap this up and what a great conversation with you three. If you were to say, you were talking to somebody who's never seen West Side Story, you're recommending it to them to go see. How, what do you tell them they're gonna experience? They're gonna go see West Side Story for the first time. What can they experience? What, what should they expect when they're walking in? You're gonna describe this show how? Well, if it was me, um, having been a dancer, and I'm, I'm assuming they're gonna see a version of the show that's the Jerome Robbins version. I would say, and, and I still believe this, uh, you're gonna see uh, one of those near perfect moments of musical theater. It's, it has everything, um, a great story, in, incredible music, um, just uh, unbelievable choreography. There's heartache, there's joy, there's laughter. I mean, I, I find few musicals that I've experienced in my entire life that come as the complete package. And I think this is one of them. Diana? Well, I'd say you're gonna hear the greatest score of American musical theater. Um, and you're gonna see a beautiful love story and it's funny and then it's really sad and that it's the Romeo and Juliet story in a modern day in New York. And you're gonna love this. I know you're gonna love it. Enjoy, I don't wanna tell you more about it than that. <laughs> Gary? Um, I think about how, I, how well I know this person, but um, uh, I, I think I would say, if you wanna understand why musicals are popular and relevant, this is the one that, will tell you it, it, you, it, is, um, it is an experience uh, of, of the, all of the elements that create musical theater at their very best exploding on a stage. And um, you, 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 um, if, if you wanna know why people, you know, become lifelong musical theater devotees, this is the show. 
I think it is. This is the show. Well, thank you so much, all three of you, for your time. This it was, was fun, great Michael. Fun. Thank you. Great fun. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Michael. Absolutely. It was great. We'll see you all soon. Yep. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Good to see you, Mike. Mark and Diane. Good to see you.